Amen. Happy Father's Day to all the dads in the room. I hope you woke up this morning and breakfast was cooked for you by your kids. Uh, if it wasn't, kids, you have lunch and dinner left. Uh, you, can, you can do that. I also want to say a special happy Father's Day to all the father figures that are in the room. Not like the, you know, what Nick said earlier, but I, I even have father figures in this room that I've met that have become father figures in my life since I'm, you know, 10 hours away from my dad. And then also, I want to say happy Father's Day to all the single moms out there crushing it. Happy Father's Day to you. Happy Father's Day. Now today, uh, before I get into my message, there was a, I don't know how this worked out, it always does. Uh, Rob, would you like to preach? Sure, I would love to. Uh, well, hey, Rob, uh, you know you got camp all week with students. Uh, I was like, oh, I forgot about that. But before we get anywhere and do anything, you're probably wondering, hey, why is that student pastor up there wearing a t-shirt on Sunday morning? Well, I've got to celebrate this real quick. So for all the ones that are here in Prattville and Wetumpka as well, I just want to talk a little bit about the beach camp that we just went to. I think there's some pictures maybe somewhere. Uh, we went to Orange Beach, Alabama, and the students uh, that, that went with us, we took about 100 people, uh, 70 plus students, I, I think, and uh, several adults. And uh, the adults, thank you so much, all the ones that are in the room. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I can't thank you enough uh, that I didn't have to deal with the headaches all week that you got to help me. But in this, I call this a necessary disruption, is that we break away, we get away for a week or five days, and, and we go, and we focus on God's Word. Well, in the pictures, you're probably going to think, uh, wasn't it just a bunch of time on the beach and fun and whatever? Uh, no, in that picture, the kids were tired. They were <laughs> exhausted. We got to hear the gospel presented seven times, seven times. And in those seven times, we got to, or, or we had a chance to respond to God's word in those seven times. And I report to you today that six of our students that went with us that I know of accepted Jesus Christ because of the response. And so let's celebrate that. You know, I, I don't think we do a good enough job as a church celebrating those things. And so much so that when we had the, that news happen, we scratched the plans. And I said, hey, let's go have a pool party. Let's celebrate this. Because those that were lost are now found. And we're going to get to that uh, message here at the end of this message today. But today, the uh, scripture that I'm, I'm going to point us to, and we're going to kind of expose it in a way in your outline, is Proverbs 22.6. And, and a lot of us may have this on our wall at home, may, may, may have it posted somewhere or maybe memorized or whatever. But let's read through this together. It says this, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he grows older, he will not abandon it. Let's read it together as a church. You ready? Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he grows older, he will not abandon it. Let's pray about that. God, we thank you so much for your word. And God, I pray that today that we can have ears to hear. Move me out of the way, God. Use your message today, your word, to speak truth into our lives. And may we apply it to our lives as well. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. So, train up. Training. Point A in your outline there says, training our children is to happen often. But how often, we may ask. How often? Because it gets tiring sometimes as a parent. Can I get any amens? It's, it's, it's tiring sometimes. Some of y'all are like, we just barely made it here today. Okay, barely made it. It gets tiring. But how often? Well, let's go to Deuteronomy 6, verse 4 through 7. It says this, 
Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart, and you shall repeat them diligently to your sons and speak of them when you sit in your house, when you walk on the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. And then I'm going to continue reading. You should also tie them as a sign to your hand, and they shall be as frontlets on your forehead. You shall also write them on your doorposts of your house and on your gates. I know that wasn't on the screen there, but I had to read that. Simply put here is that we're going to do it when we sit in the house. We're going to train them. We're going to tell them about God when we sit in the house, when we walk on the road as we're going, when we lie down. So at nighttime, there gives us a time there. And also when we get up. So simply put, fill in the line there, uh, point one under A says, there are no days off when it comes to spiritual training. No days off. I know Father's Day, you were hoping for a day off. You was hoping to kick the feet up and watch sports or whatever you do. And that might be good. That's a physical rest. But spiritually, there are no days off. Absolutely none. We can't afford it. And here's why. Here's why it's so important that we take no days off. 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17 says this. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing, and I've underlined several more things in my bulletin, learned and knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings, which are able to give you, get this here, the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Is that you've learned it all, and therefore you have the wisdom as a dad or as a parent you have the wisdom that leads to salvation. That's important. And it says this, all scripture is inspired by God and beneficial for teaching, for rebuke, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man or woman of God may be fully capable, equipped for every good work. If you want to know a training manual to have for spiritual training, guess what, church? We have one. We have one. It is our job, dads, and we're going to get to it, is to make sure we open it. Make sure we open it. So life application here says this, we must be diligent. We must be diligent in this training. We must show that we care. We must show that we care because your kids are gonna know if you don't. I go back to my days of teaching in a classroom and there were some days I'm gonna admit that I would go in and I didn't care so much about teaching seventh grade math. Not because of the kids, it was just I was talking about this last night, just the common core, and it was a mess, and I didn't even know it uh, to teach it. Uh, it was hard. <laughs> but if I showed just for a second that I didn't even care, the kids were going to pick up on that. The kids, are, the kids know. The kids know that you don't care. You must care about spiritual training because there's no days off. There's no days off. Point two here, because dad's in the room. You might be thinking, wow. Uh, that's uh, no days off. There's no break. There's no vacation. No, there's none of that. But guess what? You do have a team. You do have a team. And, and we're about to address all the team members and their roles here. And right now you can be thinking about the greatest team that's ever been assembled. You know, like you can go to the 98 Bulls or whatever and all the roles that they played or whatever your favorite sports team is. And everybody had a role to play. Like there was a Michael Jordan and there was a Scottie Pippen and some of you parents are right now thinking, man, some of my kids are acting like Dennis Rodman. I don't know. <laughs> but, 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 but there's a team, okay? There's a team and everybody has a role in this and it's very clear in scripture what that team is and the roles. 
And, and I wanted to expose this today to make sure that we talk through this is because sometimes this is the most taken out of context scripture in the whole Bible right here. And we get it wrong. And we only get it wrong is because we stop reading. We stop reading it. We just start at verse 22 in, in Ephesians 5 and we don't go any further. So dads, make sure you're paying attention here, especially you. You are the team captain of your family. You are the leader and you have to therefore make sure everybody that, that you know everybody's role and they know theirs. So pay attention here. And first, we're going to get into the wife. The wife. And before we start reading verse 22 there, I'm going to read this in verse 21. This is why it's taken out of context. It says this, and subject yourselves, this is verse 21, to one another in the fear of Christ. Subject yourselves to one another. Is it, you have to be a team here. And then here's the roles. Wives, subject yourselves to your own husband as to the Lord. A lot of times, men in the room, we get this wrong. We stop right there. We expect our wives to do everything we tell them to do. Just because we told them to do. Who's it say to do it as to? Come on, church. As to what? The Lord. As to the Lord. So wives, subject yourselves to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church. He himself being the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands and everything. So right here, wives, you are to submit to your husband, but not all men. It says that in your outline there. This is directly opposed, and I want you to write that down, directly opposed to some kind of tyranny or oppression. Sometimes in this world, in society, culture tells us that sometimes women are second tier, that men are up here. Women, no, 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 no. No. It says you're supposed to submit to your husband, not all men. And it's important that you learn this because you are in this together. You are in this together, and husbands, I want you to know that, that you have a teammate. God took a rib out of you to to create woman to come alongside you, not behind you, to come and use that role, use it mightily. Wives, make sure you allow your husband to lead well because God gave this leadership authority to men. But however, I want you to underline this at the very last part of it. However, if he isn't leading you in a godly way, I'm about to start stepping on some toes in a moment. If he isn't leading you in a godly way, he's not leading you at all. Husbands, take note of that. We have a job to do, a responsibility to do. Now, husbands, flip the page, and you may be like, oh, man, there's a lot more verses there than it was about the wives. Because <laughs> it is. Matter of fact, there's nine verses to three when it's talking about the father and, and the wife. Or the husband and the wife. Husbands, we have nine verses here. It must be important here. God is saying, hey, this is important. You got to do this well. So much so that I'm going to repeat it nine times to you. It says this, husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. So that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. That he might present to himself the church in all her glory having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and blameless. So husbands also ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are parts of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife. You see that word there, joined? 
to his wife, that they were to become one flesh. They were to become one team. This mystery is great, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ in the church. Nevertheless, as for you individually, each husband is to love his own wife the same as himself, and the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. Wow. Nine verses to three. That means God is speaking to us men in the room. We have a responsibility, and if you've taken anything out of that, is the number one, love your wife and love her well. Love your wife and love her well. And it says this in your outline, husbands, love your wife just as Christ loved the church. And you may be sitting there wondering, how in the world did Christ love the church? I'm not going to go get up on a cross and die, right? That's kind of scary. But you have that same attitude of love that you would give up your life for her, that you would sacrifice for her. That sometimes there's going to be things that you have to sacrifice. Maybe, maybe you can't go golfing or you can't go fishing or whatever it is. And you have to sacrifice some things. And we're going to get to recreation here in a minute. But sometimes you're going to have to sacrifice. Here's why. Your kids, and this is most important, your kids are watching you. Your kids, this, this family that just stood up here today. I think his name was Drew. Was Drew? Yeah. He has kids watching him each and every day. And I'm learning this somewhat the hard way. I got a daughter that's turning three tomorrow. She repeats a lot of stuff. <laughs> Some of y'all are laughing because <laughs> you know. She repeats a lot. You got to be careful what you say around her. Especially the context that you say it. Because she's going to say it in the wrong context every time. And it's scary. You're like, be quiet. But they're watching you. You are setting an example for your kids each and every day. With each and everything that you do, you'll be surprised how much your kids are paying attention. You may think that they're not paying attention at all. You told them to clean the room 10 times. According to God's word, maybe you need to, you know, especially if they're boys, maybe you need to just tell them more. Okay? Maybe the daughters need to know three times, but the, uh, your boys need to know nine. I don't know. But they are listening. They are learning. And they're going to repeat the things that you are doing as a parent. And here's why it's so important. You're setting an example for your sons to be a great husband someday. You want your son to be a great husband one day? You be a great one today. And here's the, ooh, this is preaching to me here. You're also displaying the qualities your daughter would look for in a husband one day. You want to expect a young man to open up the door for your daughter one day on her first date or whatever? Dads, when's the last time you opened up the door for your wife? That's the kind of love we're talking about. Your son and your daughter will know what it takes to be a great dad, a great husband, a great father. And wives, too. You're setting an example, too. You're setting an example of what type of wife they're going to be one day. And a lot of times in this world, we want to lower our expectation because we don't think somebody's out there that meets our expectation. Don't lower your expectation. You can just look at that guy and say, that's not what my daddy does. Because here's why. The expectation that we have is God-given. It's to love and love well. Set the bar high on our relationships. Young women in the room, pay attention. Don't settle. Don't settle. Go after a godly man. Young men in the room, don't settle. 
go after a godly woman in this room. And I said that in this room. Your future spouse may be sitting right here. So I'm talking to kids right now. They may be in this room right now. So let's get to children because children, I'm not going to leave you out of the sermon here. It's very important. So children, all of you, make sure you pay attention here. This is very important that you hear this here. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord or you're going to get a whooping. <laughs> no, that's not what it says. Sorry. For this is right. For this is right. A lot of times, why, why? Because it's right. It's right. And if parents, we're going to get to this in a minute. Parents, if you're doing it well, your kids are going to want to obey. Okay? They're going to want to obey. So it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise, so that it may well turn out well for you. Some of you dads right now grabbing that belt. Yeah, you heard that? Turn out well for you. And that you may live a long life on the earth. It is good to honor. Kids, pay attention. Eyes up here. Eyes. Eyes. Honor your father and your mother. God commands it. Let's do it. Let's do it. And in Father's Day, it repeats this. This is why I wanted to preach through this on Father's Day. It also readdresses the dad again, the husband, as a father. It says here, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Depending on your translation, there's going to be fear and admonition or fear and discipline, instruction. There's several different words that, that you could put in there. But it says discipline and instruction of the Lord. <coughs> Simply put here, dad, lead well. Lead well. Here's why. Because God commands it. You want to know why, what your purpose is on this life? First and foremost is to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Second is to be a great husband. And third is to be the best dad ever. I tried to find that t-shirt yesterday, you know, uh, who's the best dad ever, and got the two thumbs up. I couldn't find it, so I went with the beach camp shirt. But I was looking for that shirt here. And, and dad, raise them to be godly kids. And I want you to take note of this. Underline it, circle it, whatever. You aren't to be your kid's best friend. You're to be their dad. I'm going to say that again. You aren't to be your kid's best friend. You are to be their dad. Sometimes it's going to be fun. Lots of fun. I enjoy it a lot of times at my house. It's chaos all day. But when dad walks in, oh, it's time to throw a party. And I love that. I love that my daughter does that. And it brings me such joy that I get to be the fun guy. And I shared this with our students uh, Wednesday night. I said on Wednesday nights when this room is full of teenagers. It's a little crazy. I've been here all day from like 8.30 to, you know, about 6 o'clock when they show up, 5.55. And, and, and if you're one of the leaders in the room or students, sometimes you'll see that little girl rowing. She'll probably walk out of the office door in there. And for whatever reason, I'm always across the way. And Rowan sees me. And she runs to me. She runs to me. And it's so much joy. Daddy, you know. And it almost brings tears to my eyes thinking about the moments that I get with her. Is that when she runs to me with so much joy... I can sit there and hold her and pick her up, and it brings her so much happiness. 
And I shared this with the students because we were talking to a series about the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, and all that, and the role of the Father. Imagine how much greater God feels when we, all of us, as God's children, run to him. Imagine that feeling that he gets. If I, an imperfect man, imperfect husband, imperfect father, get so much joy out of my child, imagine what your heavenly father feels when you, children of God, run to his arms. And that heavenly father disciplines us sometimes because we need it. Sometimes it takes discipline, it says. Other times it takes instruction. We are to be a leader, a teacher. Students in the room, you heard this all week, is that the role of the dad in the family is to be the, the pastor. Is anybody students in the room? Pastor? I'll see a few. What was the next one? Ethan, do you remember? They all started with a P. He alliterated very well. Anybody? Harry, do you remember? Any, uh, pastor, protector, provider. That's what you're supposed to be to your family. And here, I wanted to put some stats in here for you. And, and the questions there, I wanted to really bring out. Are you ready to lead well, dads? Are you ready to lead well? You can make a decision today to lead well. Lifeway does studies a lot. I don't know if we have them on the screen or not, but it's in your bulletin if you didn't get it. It says this, the percentage chance the entire family will come to know Christ if... And I put this in here because, Dad, your role in a family is to be the pastor, the protector, and the provider. Here's some staggering stats here. And this first one doesn't scare me at all because I feel like sometimes as a student pastor, I'm charging hell with a water pistol. It's just, it is what it is. Because kids don't know Scripture. They don't know their God. They're just coming to this church thing and going to the motion sometimes. But I'm up for the challenge. We preach God's Word every week to them. And I'm up for it. And so this little bitty percentage, I want to just bump up just a little bit through student ministry, through, through kids ministry. I want to just bump that up. The child comes to know Christ first. The percentage chance the whole family comes to know, 3.5%. If the mom comes to know Christ first, it bumps on up there, 17%. But here's the most convincing statistic of all right here. If you dads come to know Christ first, the chance the entire family will come to know Jesus jumps up to 93%. That right there should be enough motivation for each and every man in the room to be a good leader today, to not wait, to do it now. So if you haven't been a good leader in your family, you don't have to remember the past and drag that out and, oh, poor pitiful me. No, start today. Start fresh today. And, and here's a quote I say a lot. You can write this down if you want to in the side margins. You better be talking to your kids. Throw a comma there. Because they're listening to someone. Who would you rather them learn from, you or the world? I already know that answer. You better be talking to your kids because they're listening to someone. Point B. Y'all are like, wow, that's just point A? Wow. Point B. All training has a reason. And we're going to get somewhere with this. All training has a reason. Usually it's for a game or activity. But what exactly is the game plan for this game of life? 
or the way. What, what, what is the way? If we was to uh, jump back to Proverbs 22, 6, it says, train up a child in the way. Well, what, what exactly is the way? The world tells us that there's a lot of ways that we can do this and do that, and the 10 best steps to be a good dad or whatever, boom, boom, boom. What is the way? Well, as I told you, dads in the room, your responsibility is to be the pastor of your family. Well, Rob, I thought that was your job. You're the student pastor. John, I thought that, Shane, I thought that was your job. No, Steve, I thought that was your job. No, no, no. We are called to teach God's word, to be an elder, to be a pastor, to be a teacher, a preacher. But ultimately, if you think about it, we only get your kids, if they're in kids ministry, we get them for an hour a week. If they're in student ministry, we get them two hours a week. Guess who has them the rest of the week? We would be naive not to use your time that you have to help equip you for every good work, to equip you for the ministry. And so dad's in the room. It's your job. It, it's, and I'll, and I'll preach it like this. We can't afford to just come to church and drop our kids off and expect them to teach them. Dads, I'm talking to myself as well. We have to do it too. We have to make sure that we're raising them up in the fear and instruction of the Lord. We have to do that. It is our job. We're called to that because the world is chasing after our kids just as fast as God is nowadays. The world is trying to consume them with every liberal sense of, of evil. And they're coming after your kid. They're coming after them. And so here's the game plan here. John 14, 6 says, Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You want to know what way is the way? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Fathers, you are to lead his way, not yours. I know a lot of times we think we got it all figured out. We've taken four left turns, but we are not going to admit we got it wrong. We're to lead God's way. What are we leading them to? Jesus. Step one in this game plan is to follow Jesus. Number one, dads, we got to make sure, are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Not a pretender, not a fan, but a follower. Is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? If he's not, you're not going to be equipped to be the dad that the Bible calls you to be. Step one is to follow Jesus. And are you pointing your kids to Jesus? Remember, they're watching you. We must set our children on a trajectory towards heaven. We must set them there. And they're going to go. And what I learned from teaching and coaching in my days is that children, whether you believe it or not, they crave order. They hate chaos. You wouldn't believe that. Like you'd run down there in the grove right now and you'd be like, oh, they love chaos. No, no, no. Children crave direction and vision. They want order in their life. When we don't give it to them, they create the chaos. They want direction and vision. Give it to them. But here's the life application here. If we aren't careful, our direction and vision for our children can focus on earthly things than heavenly things. Sports and other extracurricular electives and activities can take the place of our most prized priority, which is spiritual training. These things, yes, they do have their place in life. Hobbies are good. Outlets are good. But they should never take priority. They should never take 
priority over our relationship with Jesus. They should never take priority over our relationship with Jesus. And, and I love stats. I'll put in some NCAA statistics here. This is always a staggering status. It says a high school athlete has a 5.8% chance of making it to college. It's pretty good odds there. Pretty good odds. However, the college athlete has a 1.8% chance of making it to the pros. And in high school to college, there's a huge jump in talent level. It's like the best one of your high school team makes it, or best one or two make it to college somewhere. Whether it be Division One, Two, or Three, doesn't matter. That that stat covers it all. When you get to college and, and uh, you play football on an SEC team, and you look and you realize, wow, those guys are really good, and I'm on this team. Wow, <laughs> it's only a few of them, the elite few that get to go to that next level. And if you add all the numbers together, that the high school athlete has a 0.08% chance of making it to the pros. Children in the room, listen to me. This is the best instruction I'm going to give you. Parents too. Every 12-year-old in America needs to know this. Today, when you go home, look at your mom and your dad really closely. And you're going to realize something that those two people probably did not create a professional athlete. <laughs> Just saying. Just saying. Those things are important. Those things are important. They have their place, but they should never take priority over our relationship with Jesus because here's why. There's a 100% chance that every single person in the room today is going to meet Jesus one day. And is Jesus going to sit there and look at you and say, well done, good and faithful servant? Is he going to say that? That's what's most important. Which path are we more focused on? And point C, here's where the parent feels get in. How do we know if our training works if we never put them in the game? My biggest fear as a student pastor, and I said this about a year ago when I got on stage, it was like a year ago I preached, is that my biggest fear as a student pastor is that we're raising up a generation of students that worship the God of their parents and not their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because we put them in a bubble and we drag them to church and we say, hey, check off all the boxes and go through the motions. But don't do anything outside that box or the, the bubble. Don't. And you try to just, just hoard them up so much sometimes. Parents, don't be afraid to release them into the real world. I know it's scary, but we can't expect them to be perfect. A lot of times, parents, we have these perfect expectations of our kids. <laughs> and they mess up a lot, if we're honest. They mess up a lot. But we can't expect them to be perfect, or we can't expect them, maybe just put this in the line too, that we can't expect them to have real faith if we don't give them real reps. I said it's more important for us to be a, a follower than a fan. It's one thing to put a jersey on and go watch the game. But it's different when you put the jersey on and you're actually in the game. So parents, don't be afraid to put them into the real world. They're going to make some mistakes, but that's how we learn. And then all the questions come about. There's so many scary questions, right? And you can add to this list. This was just something I was thinking about. What about relationships? Wow, are they going to get that right? What about college? What about work? What about moving? They're going to move out of my house? When? Soon. Soon. Kids, make sure you know that too. Make a note. Soon. 
How do we know if we did it right? Are they truly ready? Has their faith been tested? What if they are tempted with worldly things? All of that's going to happen. But point number one there, well, how did Jesus respond to being tempted by Satan? You can look at the scripture in Matthew 4, 1 through 11. Satan took him away and he tempted him. Does anybody in the room know what Jesus did? He quoted scripture. Have we trained our kids to respond that way? Quoted scripture. We can't train them to quote scripture at this is what the Bible looks like. This is what it has to look like. Dads, pay attention to that. This, an open Bible, is what it has to look like. And what if they abandon the way? What if they abandon it? We've done everything. Well, number one about that, and Luke 15, 20 through 24 tells a story there, and all of Luke 15, please go home and read it. But the life application here is that Proverbs 22.6 is just a proverb. It's not a promise. Just a proverb, not a promise. It's a great snippet of wisdom to lead by, but it's not a promise. When our children abandon God's way, there's probably no worse feeling as a parent. Is that we, you've done everything you can to be a great parent. And then one day when they get out of the house, or maybe right now they're trying to test you some, okay? But they're going to be tempted by the world. They're going to make mistakes. And it's not our job to sit there and condemn them and say, you foolish kid and you blah, blah, blah. No. Here's to summarize Luke 15. Our role as dads, you can see the picture of the story, is to love them, pray for them, and be patient while waiting for them to return. Be patient. And when they do, I said that we don't do this enough as a church. When they do return, we should run to them. And we should celebrate them. Because God has brought them home. Don't forget, church, this spiritual training has no days off. Dads, pastor, protector, provider. Wives, you're to be the helper, the help me, to be there with your husbands. Allow them to lead well. Encourage them to lead well. Children, you are to obey your parents. Here's why. Because your parents are imperfect, broken people just like you are in need of a Savior. You focus on being a better or a more godly son and daughter. Allow them to focus on being a more godly mom and dad. When you do that, when you give grace and you're patient, the family unit works well. Fathers, lead well. Don't wait. And if you flip to the back, connect groups, I've made some questions for you today. And there's questions for dads, wives, kids as well. But I want you to jump down there to the bottom. Because I know on Father's Day, it can sometimes bring up some feelings for those that have lost their father. Or maybe they had a bad experience with their father. And it can bring up some hurt. But I want you to picture a perfect example of a father 
multiply that by infinity, and that's our perfect heavenly Father loving on us. So if you can, everyone in the room, if possible, let your dad know how much of an impact he has had or is having on your life. Don't wait until it's too late. And then for dads, start leading well today. And you notice I put the same phrase in there. Don't wait until it's too late. Don't wait. Let's pray. God, we thank you this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for all the dads, father figures, even the single moms that I mentioned that are leading well. God, I pray that we can be a people called by you that are going to respect the family structure and the training of how it should look. God, I pray for all the men in the room right now. Life's not easy. It's hard. Kids are facing things that they've never, we never thought they would face ever. But God, I pray that you be with them. Motivate them. Encourage them through your word, through your Holy Spirit. Guide them. I pray that we can be a church full of men that are going to step up and lead. That are going to step up and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to be involved in my kids' spiritual training. I'm going to go serve in those ministries. And I'm going to go be a face. And I'm going to go teach. And I'm not only going to do it here at church, but I'm going to do it when I get home today. And I'm going to start today. And I'm going to do it well. And God, when I mess up, I pray for forgiveness. For not only from you, but for my family. The patience, the grace that we need. Oh, God. And I pray for the fruit of that when children have great fathers to look up to. That we make an impact on a younger generation. That they can grow up and be even better than that example. God, so we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for all the dads in the room. Most important, God, we thank you for Jesus Christ and making all this possible. And it's in his name we pray and all God's people say it.